Now, perhaps you all know, well, I know you all know that a price tag is a label that declares the price of an item. But what you don't perhaps know, and I only recently discovered, is that before the late 1800s, um, retail goods, they didn't have actually a fixed price tag. So people were expected to sort of bargain and haggle with the, the, the shop clerk until they came to some sort of agreement as to, you know, what that would cost, which is, you know, a standard operating procedure in many Asian street markets or Middle Eastern bazaars today, um, or perhaps standard operating procedure if you go shopping with Jolene or if you go shopping with Claire Brocklebank. But... It is alleged that this, this principle of price fixing originated from the Quaker merchants in Philadelphia who believed that since everybody is equal before God, everyone should be charged the same price and they shouldn't be charged differently, different amount because of their status or their appearance or their ability to haggle well. And so price tags, they are credited as the invention of John Wanamaker who introduced them in 1861 in his department store in Philadelphia. Now, I find it just so interesting that it was the equality of the value of every individual that it was at the root of price tags. Because when I think of each one of us and the concept of price tags, I'm immediately reminded of that scripture in 1 Corinthians 7 that says, you were brought at a price. Other versions say, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. We each have got incredible value in the eyes of God. There was an enormous price tag over each one of our lives that Jesus Christ paid for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19 says, For I know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless spotless Lamb of God. Now, I wanted to start with this today because when we come to talking about relationships that honor God, we have to start with a recognition of our own value and our own worth. Because if we have ascribed little value to ourselves and we feel that we are insignificant, we are worthless, then we're going to translate the same value to others as well. When we fail to recognize the enormous price at which we have been purchased. We find it very easy then to believe the lies that very often lead to us degrading our bodies, muffling our voices, and making us a sponge for brokenness and for pain. Every single one of you is deeply and profoundly loved by our God and Father. In fact, God's love for you is so great that I don't think any of us can even begin to fully understand it. We are made for relationship with God and with people. And right at the beginning, God declared that it was not good for man to be alone. The only thing not good in creation was man alone. And aloneness in life is never God's will for us. There is a Zulu proverb, which I absolutely can't pronounce appropriately, but it will be there on the screen, and we'll give it a try there. But I just think it's the most beautiful proverb and does pull me back to my childhood years in KwaZulu-Natal. Umuntu ungumuntu ungabantu. And this translated roughly means a person is a person because of other persons. In other words, the idea behind that is I cannot be who I am without regard to other people. 
The fundamental law of, of human beings is this beautiful principle, principle of interdependence. We are created as communal beings that are made to be lovers of God, but also to love one another. God created relationships with one another to be a thing of beauty. And when we conduct ourselves in relationships with one another as God intended, friends, there is a richness and a fullness and a joy and a beauty that we bring into each other's lives that is sometimes actually hard to articulate or put into words. But when we conduct ourselves in relationships that are fueled by the spirit of this world and our human nature, we collect a whole lot of baggage. And it's luggage and baggage that really weighs us down. And it exhausts our souls, it exhausts our minds, and it robs us of joy. Now, there's always going to be some cost involved in relationships. But when we approach relationships with world values that are under the influence of the prince of this world, then the cost factor is, as we see, going to be this collection of worldly luggage that we carry around with us. And boy, is that a heavy load. So what does the word of God have to say about this? And what are some of the tools of the kingdom of God that's going to be enable us to get rid of this luggage? And I realize there is so much to say about this. There's so much complexities to relationships, and I recognize that. And also that there are so many scripture references that speak into this. But today I want to speak from the truths just found in one passage, Colossians 3, verse 5 to 17. And I want to identify from this passage the creators of relationship baggage and also the things that have the power to remove relationship baggage from our lives. So let's read together from Colossians 3, starting at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
When we come to faith in Christ, we receive a new identity in Christ. And one implication of this is that we now belong to Christ and have this this new self that has been renewed and transformed into his image through the work of his Holy Spirit within us. Another implication is that we've got a new identity in community. God's desire was to create a people, not isolated individuals who believe in him. We are together his church. Being a part of this church or any church, it's not about coming to a building or a place, but rather it's about being integrated into a network of faith relationships that should be giving Christ-like shape to each one of our lives. So what are some of those baggage creators? Well, I don't think we find it hard to identify the baggage creators of hurt and brokenness in our relationships. But if you're having any trouble with this, then Paul writes out, he lays it out in this letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae. And he tells them, church, there are things that need to be put to death in your lives. Now that they are in Christ, their earthly nature, it needs to die. And he said, you used to walk in these ways. Your life used to look like this. But now, no more. And all these no more thoughts and deeds are the very things that so often result in relationship baggage in all of our lives. And there's so many things, yes, we can add to this list. But here are some of the baggage creators that Paul identifies. Lust and impurity. Evil desires. Greed. Anger and rage. Malice, which is desiring to do bad things towards somebody else. Like an example being when you really want to seek revenge against someone or actually just actively hate them. Slander, making false statements to someone that totally ruins their reputation. Filthy language, dishonesty and lies. Now, the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 3, it's an excellent teaching on the power of our words and a warning there about the thorough and far-reaching destruction that can be brought about by an uncontrolled tongue. And when we use that for evil, for malice, for slander, for lies, for dishonest speech, for filthy language, we reap the fruit of that in our relationships. And all of these behaviors and attitudes have devastating and damaging effects on our relationships and the state of our own health and our own wholeness. And this baggage just piles higher and higher and higher, and not only is it a really heavy load to carry around with us, but this baggage also prevents us from getting close to people and people from getting close to us. Lust and impurity, evil desires, greed, anger and rage, malice, slander, filthy language, dishonesty and lies, these have no place in our relationships, and these are the things that need to be removed. And friends, we have the tools of the kingdom that have been given to us in Christ to do this. And those tools are confession and repentance. And the scriptures say to us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We were singing about so many of these truths this morning. We have the tools of the kingdom to address these. And what are some of the other attitudes and practices that we need to be living out as a reflection of our whole new self that has been renewed in the image of its creator? 
What are those baggage removers we found in these scriptures? They are actively at work in us through the ministry of his Holy Spirit. The first one, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I think honor and dignity in our conduct one to another is a very significant baggage remover. You know, my husband, Mike, he never stops reminding me to not take my colleagues here at the church for granted because he knows that I have a very special privilege of working along men and women who have all accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and are seeking to live lives that are filled with his spirit and honoring to God. And this absolutely impacts our behavior towards one another as it should. But I realize that it is incredibly unusual to be in a work environment like that. Most of you are in environments where you have colleagues who don't share your faith or the values that define you as a Christ follower. And you see and are often on the receiving end of anger and rage and slander and dishonor and lies. And there is so much that you cannot control in in this world. And one of those things is others' behaviors. But what is in your control is how you will act and how you will speak to others. We call to be salt and light in this world. And part of living this out is responding to others in a manner that shows we are men and women of honor and dignity in our conduct to one another. And we are to treat others the same way that Jesus models for us and how he treats us. And he is compassionate and kind. He is gentle and patient with each one of us. And empowered by his spirit, we should commit to being the same in our conduct one with, the other, one with another. Jesus was the epitome of humility, even in the face of being falsely accused on numerous fronts. And we too need to be clothing ourselves in humility not always pushing forward our own needs or, or, need, or elevating ourselves, but also following his example. I read the saying that your job title is temporary. How you treat others, that is what is going to be remembered. A baggage remover is our honor and conduct to one another. Another one, I think, which ties so closely with the same scripture is our speech to and our speech about each other. You know, as we said earlier, the power of speech, it is an extraordinary thing. And the tongue has the amazing ability to direct our lives for good or to direct our lives for evil. And we need to be actively disciplining ourselves regarding the use of our words and our speech. And when we learn to be disciplined in our speech, we're going to be amazed at the transformation that takes place, particularly in the area of our relationships. Because our speech to each other and about each other should be clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I mean, who would not want to be on the receiving end of words like that? I mean, imagine the difference in our relationships together if we actively worked on creating a culture that places a really high value on speaking words of life and blessing over each other, as opposed to always reverting to critical words or unkind words that often just suck the life and joy out of us. And these are the words that bring life and refreshing and blessing, encouraging words. 
restoring words, accepting words, wise words, gentle words, affectionate and loving words, and forgiving words. As children of God, it is so important that we build up our brothers and sisters through the way that we speak to them and the way we speak about them. And in fact, just this past week, someone from this church family, they voice noted me with just these most beautiful words of encouragement and life. They were words that were not meant to make me feel good. They were not meant to stroke my ego or anything else, but they came from this mature space of that individual wanting to remind me of who I am in Christ and how they recognized him working in me and through me. And they, they sent it through that kind of spirit and with that heart behind it. And can I tell you the incredible impact those words had on me? First of all, they were deeply humbling words that immediately made me turn to Jesus. They immediately spurred me on to a deeper walk with him, a greater dependency on the ministry of his Holy Spirit in my life, They spurred me on to to live out my calling and to honor that. And that's the power of words that speak life over us and encouragement. They remind us of who we are in Christ and what that needs to look like in our daily lives. And when we speak these life-giving words to one another, I think it gives God the ability to perform his word in us and around us. So another baggage remover is not just how we conduct ourselves and our actions together, but it's also our, our speech to and about each other. And then another baggage remover that says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I think forgiveness probably deserves the biggest bag around here as a baggage remover. There's something profoundly powerful about baggage being removed through the power of forgiveness. I remember watching the, the movie um, Les Miserables in 1998. So some of you I know weren't even born then. But um, that version, the 1998 version, they had the actor Liam Neeson as the, um, playing the role of Jean Valjean. And just this scene in the movie, the way it was played, has always, always struck with me, and I've just never forgotten this scene. I can even you know, visually picture it now. But the, the story is that Jean Valjean is this man who's arrested for, for stealing food when he's young, just for stealing food. But he then has to spend 19 years in a prison labor camp for this. And so 19 years later, he comes out a very different man. And he's released, and no one is willing to allow a convict to come and stay with the night with them, excepting the local bishop, Bishop Muriel, and he kindly welcomes this, you know, ex-prisoner into his home. And however, during the night, uh, Valjean is in the process of actually stealing the bishop's silver away. And the bishop happens to come in and, and see this happening. And you know, for his troubles, he's you know knocked over the head, struck down, and Valjean flees the house with the silver. The bishop actually doesn't do anything about it, but it just so happens that the police guards happen to apprehend Valjean, and they find him with the silver and obviously recognize the stamp of the church or whatever on it, and they you know, bring him back to the house of the bishop. And as he comes in and is presented before this bishop as this thief who's stolen the silver, this bishop turns to Valjean, and he scolds him for 
forgetting to take the candlesticks as well. And he, he acts as if, you know, he says, oh, my goodness, thank you for bringing my friend back to me. You know, I, the, the silverware was a gift that I gave to him. And why did you forget this candlesticks? And the police guards, they've got no choice but, you know, to release this man um, because it was a gift. And when the guards withdrew, the bishop, he gives the candlesticks to his guest, who's now like speechless and just trembling before him. And he says to him, do not forget, do not ever forget that you have promised me to use this money to make yourself an honest man. And Jean Valjean, who is this prisoner who has grown into a tough, hardened convict, although he never started out that way, he basically, he's, he's hounded and ultimately just transformed by the power of forgiveness. And the power of that bishop's act, defying every human instinct for revenge, it's changed that man's life forever. He had like this naked encounter with forgiveness, especially because, remember, he had never repented. And that encounter with forgiveness just melted the defenses of his soul. And the whole story from then is like he keeps the candlesticks as this precious memento of grace. And he dedicates himself from that moment on to helping others in need. And I love this story for its picture of grace and the power of forgiveness. Because forgiveness, friends, it's foundational to God's kingdom. And the spiritual reality is that God has forgiven us. And I think sometimes we remember how much he's forgiven us from. Sometimes we can live, you know, so long in our our new identity, we can forget the incredible transformation that's taken place and what we've been changed from. God has forgiven us so much. And that is the basis for us to forgive others and to not hold their sin against them. And Jesus teaches us that forgiveness, it is limitless. Forgiving is actually just a way of life for his children. And as we see in this movie, which actually is the most incredible novel, some would say one of the greatest novels of the 19th century, as we see in this, the repentance of a person's, you know, the repentance of a person's sin against you, that's not necessary for you to make the choice to forgive them. Because we wait, if we have to wait around for others to repent, then we are indirectly putting our happiness and our peace in other people's hands instead of in God's hands. Forgiveness is a choice. It is an act of obedience to God. And forgiveness, it's not forgetting the person's offense against you, but rather it's not using their sin against them. Forgiveness doesn't demand revenge or repayment for offenses suffered, it is leaving justice in the hands of God. And forgiveness is the only way to release yourself from the pains of the past. It is a reality of life together in community that there will be times that as people we will hurt each other. Nobody is perfect, and our imperfections and our sinfulness will at times lead to pain and brokenness between us. And it is so detrimental to community. But we have the tools in Christ to mend this brokenness. And love and forgiveness are the tools, the baggage removers in our relationship. The power of forgiveness to remove baggage. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. John 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one another is one of our most powerful witnesses to a watching world, especially because we are all so diverse and different. 1 Peter 1.22 says here, love one another deeply from the heart. So really what it's saying there is, you know, God's love for us, it transforms us. God's love has totally transformed me. It's transformed you. And it should absolutely be seen in how we relate to and love one another. Our relationships are the means by which we give each other a clearer picture of God's love for us. And there's so many of you that have done that in my life. Through how you have loved me, you've been like Christ in my life through those actions and given me a beautiful picture of his kingdom love. And together we make the invisible God more visible to each other and how we love each other. Because love is not a word. Love is an action. So love is a powerful baggage remover in our lives. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. I think seeking and pursuing peace is another baggage remover in our lives too. Again in 1 Peter 3, it says they seek peace and pursue it. Like you actively run after peace. Because peacemakers, they are people who breathe grace. I mean, all of us can think of examples when a lack of peace has wrought havoc and hurt relationally. And relationships are always damaged when disagreements escalate to anger and conflict. But whenever we actively seek and pursue peace, then through the grace of God, I think conflicts can be turned into opportunities for, to strengthen our relationships and to make our lives a testimony to the power and to the love of God. When we seek and pursue peace, I believe we honor God in our relationships. When we seek and pursue peace, we often find we have to admit our own faults and contributions to a conflict, and it helps us to get rid of the logs in our, our own eyes. When we seek and pursue peace, we open the way for reconciliation in our relationships. Now our sin and the world in which we live continually works against a culture of peace. And that is why I think we've got to be so proactive in this area. It's not just love peace. Seek peace. Pursue peace. And the more our relationships reflect the love and the mercy of God, the more people will want to know about the power that is working in us to maintain peace and unity in a world where that's shown very little. Seeking and pursuing peace is a baggage remover in our relationships. And be thankful. And be thankful. I think a spirit of appreciation and gratitude is an amazing baggage remover when it comes to our relationships. The people around you here, they are gifts to you from God. Every single one carries a spirit and unique gifts that God has given them for the sake of everybody else here, not for themselves. Gifts that they get to use to minister to the body here. 
And if you take your eyes off yourself and look around you at the many others that have enriched your life or have cared for you when you have struggled, have held your hand when you have mourned, who have blessed you in a myriad of ways, that is a definite baggage remover. Just that spirit of renewed appreciation and gratitude for what God has placed in your life. And especially when it results in this genuine like spirit of thankfulness flowing out of us, I think it is a completely opposite spirit to one of jealousy, to one of envy, to one of selfish desire. And so I want to ask you today, who are the men and women that you are so grateful are in your life and are in this community with you? I think sometimes it's important for us to take a moment and to think about that. It's so easy to find fault with the people around us and all that they don't bring But sometimes we actually need to stop and say, Lord, thank you for what is around me. Not all the things that I feel are missing, but thank you for what is here. Help me to see the things I need to recognize and appreciate and be thankful for in these gifts that are around me. And then flowing from that, I'm going to come here. Here we go. Our spirit of appreciation and gratitude I think flowing from that and probably tying in as a nuance of that is our ministry to one another. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I think a beautiful baggage remover is our ministry to one another. And I think we saw so much of that in action this morning in our time of worship together. Because every one of us, as we said, we're each made in the image of God, and we have gifts planted in us by God, not for our own benefit, but for the broader benefit of this body. And when we use these gifts, the body of Christ, this community, the relationships that exist here, they are strengthened and they are built up in the faith. We are called to minister to one another and to call out God's gifts in one another as well. I think that is such a beautiful way of even articulating some of the other truths before. Our ministry to one another and calling out God's gifts in one another, affirming those, recognizing them, is such a beautiful way of removing relational baggage in our lives. And today's passage specifically addresses our ministry of teaching and admonishing one another. And teaching and admonishment, they're two sides of the same coin. One seeks to impart knowledge And the other seeks to warn and to correct. But the intention of both is to love one another by helping each other to grow in our knowledge of Christ and to walk in a manner that glorifies his name. And so instructing or warning or even correcting a fellow brother and sister is actually one of the greatest expressions of love that we can show when it is grounded in God's word and humility. Because it shows our genuine desire for them to know, for them to experience the fullness of God's gift to us through Christ. This ministry of monishment, I see it often as actually us holding each other to a higher standard. I think that is part of our calling. We are called to hold each other to a higher standard and not to be apathetic about things. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. All the more as you see the day approaching. 
but words into that this morning. And Hebrews 10, spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's not the little passive nudge in you know, the side there. It's spur one another on, like actively be, you know, pushing each other to love good deeds. And so let's love one another by teaching each other and admonishing each other in all compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Using our gifts to love one another and serve one another. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So friends, if you want to create a lot of relational baggage in your life, then let your lives be governed by lust and impurity, evil desires, greed, anger and rage, malice, slander, filthy language, dishonesty, lies, the list goes on and on. But realize you're going to pay a very high price for this. But thanks be to God that we, because of Jesus, can leave all of this at the foot of the cross. Through confession and repentance, we can leave this at the foot of the cross. And I want to just give you a few moments now just to be still, for us all to be still, because I think we can all recognize elements of this baggage that right now we might need to lay down. So let's just take a few moments just to quietly do business with the Lord. What is it that you need to bring to the foot of the cross this morning and release to God in confession and repentance? We also saw from today's passage that if we want to remove the relational baggage that carries around us, there are actively things we can be doing in our lives. We can show honor and dignity in our conduct to one another. Our speech to and about each other needs to be Christ-honoring. Forgiveness needs to play a part daily in all of our lives. We need to deeply love one another. We need to seek and pursue peace in our relationships. We need a renewed spirit of appreciation and gratitude for each other. And we need to minister to one another as God has gifted us. And to actively seek out how God might want to use you to do that every time we come together. And in fact, in all of your relationships How can I minister God's grace and love to the people that God has placed in my life? And so how I think it's the most appropriate to to end our time together is I want us to to sing a song together that we're actually going to be singing over each other. And it's that beautiful song, The Blessing. And I think it's a song that speaks just so much life. And it's one I think we 
it's just a beautiful way of us demonstrating all these points we've said today is to actually actively stand as a community and sing that. But it's almost like you are singing that over your brothers and sisters around you. And they're singing it back to you. But it carries that heart that we want to see as part of who we are. And so we're going to stand and do that after I've prayed. And then after that, um, if there are those of you who actually just want to do more business at the foot of the cross, and I want to invite you to even just come sit quietly in the front, or if you want to come even kneel in the front, if you need prayer and ministry, to please avail yourself of that opportunity. And the rest of you are welcome to go and celebrate each other and celebrate community and relationship over tea and coffee and catching up there too. But let's just honor those who just need to take some time to rest with God and maybe do some business with the Lord. If you want to stay in your seat and do that, that's also absolutely fine. But there are people here who would love the privilege of praying with you and just partnering with you in prayer, blessing you in prayer, um, or, or just even grieving with you as you may be dealing with some difficult stuff. So let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you. That relationships, even though they are sometimes so incredibly fragile, they can be mended again. And I want to thank you that you are the God who is able to transform us into your likeness. And Lord, our prayer is that this would be daily evidenced in the way that we treat one another, the people that you've placed around us in our lives, that we would speak to one another in a manner that is evidenced of your spirit within us, that we would love and appreciate one another. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your incredible gift of forgiveness in each one of our lives. Thank you, Lord, when we mess up, as we so often do, in our relationships, that, Lord, you just call us to, to just immediately come back in line with you. You want us to keep short accounts with you, and thank you, God, that your forgiveness is so freely given in those spaces. Thank you for the amazing gift of confession and repentance to just bring wholeness and healing and newness to our soul. Lord, sometimes it just seems too simple, but it's not when it comes to your kingdom. And so, Father, we just pray for just a fresh expression of your love for us to be evidenced right now, a fresh experience of your forgiveness over us to be experienced by us right now, and that flowing from that fresh awareness of your love and grace over our lives, that, Lord, you would give us the grace to extend that same love and forgiveness to those around us. Father, we pray for new beginnings where there need to be new beginnings. We pray for wholeness and healing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we finish with the Lord bless you. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, the Lord bless you.
sharing that tongue earlier I just felt the Lord saying to me it's time for it's time for the church to unite and now while I've just been praying more into that I just um, sense that and also it totally links with Shelley's sermon today it's time for our church to unite in Jesus Christ in spite of differences in belief and in spite of offenses it's time for us to unite in Jesus Christ and Shelley's spoken into how we do that we forgive we show love we encourage one another. And um, yeah, I just want to encourage you today. If you're still holding on to differences in beliefs or onto offenses, it's time to unite in Jesus Christ today. Nancy, won't you come up and just pray for us as we close together in that same spirit? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the reason that we're here today. Thank you that you have shown us a new way, a better way of living with one another, of loving of living in peace with one another, of honoring one another. 
And Lord Jesus, we pray that today you will soften hearts, Lord, where we've held on to offenses, where we've, where we've felt like we're right and others are wrong, and we've held on to specific beliefs that are causing division in our church. Lord, we pray that you will bring unity today, that you will, yeah, that you will humble us, Lord, where we've chosen ourselves above others, Lord, that you will bring us to our knees today, Lord, that we may forgive one another, that we may confess and repent where we are wrong, and that we will submit ourselves to you and your church, Lord, to your leaders that you've put in place here, and we pray that your love and your peace will reign in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Bring your unity, Lord. Amen. Amen. Pray if you just keep playing that gently over us, and friends, we